Hi everybody, I'm Jason Davis of the Nerd Brand Podcast, the branding and marketing from a nerd's point of view, where we talk about, well, branding and marketing. So we do this on Anchor.fm. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. Well, welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast, everybody. We're back. It's 2021. And this show, we're talking about elements of storytelling, spectacle, and Wonder Woman 1984. And we're not doing a year in review, but, you know, let's get going. That's Mitch, that's Laura, or maybe that's Laura and that's Mitch, depending on how your screen may show it on mine. Mitch is over there, Laura's down there, and let's, uh, let's kind of chat a little bit about spectacle. Uh, last two podcasts, we talked about plot and character. And spectacle is a kind of, I think, <laughs> don't want to bring up too much stuff that's happened, but I had a lot of spectacle. <laughs> There's been a bit of spectacle lately, hasn't there? Yeah, everything's pretty much been like spectacle. Um, spectacle out the wazoo. Yeah. Um, you know, the this episode, though, is, uh, you know, just kind of anybody that may be new to this on this podcast, we like discussing our love of movies and all things nerd culture. We also like to talk about marketing and things from a nerd's point of view. And uh, so this is our third part series. Um, but uh, I guess before we get into spectacle, um, Mitch has a tidbit. Mitch, you want to share okay. with everybody what you got? Yeah, well, a couple of tidbits. Um, first of all, in nerd news, uh, it's been announced that Michael Keaton's Batman will reportedly get his own saga and be, or at least a movie, and will be the main Batman in the DC uh, film universe. Huh. You know, Michael Keaton's like, what, is he 70? Something? Something like that. Yeah, so I liked Michael Keaton's Batman. I have no problem with it, but I like, I don't know, for me, I like Batman Begins because it kind of like really dove into the history of the character more than his version as far as like the man behind the mask um i don't know i would really like it if they did a batman begins with him as bruce wayne yeah. I, i'd like to see a terry mcginnis because that's the only person that i accept and i think most people accept you're talking about batman beyond yeah a live action batman beyond is what i'd like i think for those be- that don't that aren't familiar that's batman of the future yes and uh kind of like spider-man 2099 yeah but you know it was only ran it was an it was an animated series that only ran for about three seasons kind of ended early and then because it ended early there's a lot of uh questions left about it opened and a lot of the fans were kind of upset so in justice league in one of the i think it was 2004 when that was issued there's a, a episode called epilogue that actually made terry mcginnis uh bruce wayne's son and it tied it to Suicide Squad, where Amanda Waller took Bruce's DNA and cloned Terry. Uh, and so that was a, kind of an inch. It was a really good episode, though. I mean, it really was. And it kind of, all the characters you could see come back. And they made Bruce, obviously, a little older because Terry was, you know, older. Because when he becomes Batman, he's like 17 or something. Yeah. So it's a very Spider-Man type of storyline. But it's Batman and a better suit. <laughs> In your opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was, I liked it. I mean, it, it's something that I've always wanted to see a live action of. And I'm like, well, if you want to have any kind of continuity in the Tim Burton-esque world of the weirdness that he created, you know, I think it would work fine. I think it would fit. Uh, wouldn't be a big leap. Um, but uh, I don't know. Him as the main Batman moving forward. Uh, I don't know. I, don't well, know. I guess the, he's the anchor Batman world and, and this this actually i'm getting this from geek geektyrant.com yeah and there's a uh, part of their source comes from brooks barnes of the new york times um who put out a tweet actually there's two of them uh one of them stated been offline moving apartments and returned to see this michael keaton craziness i was referring to one film that keaton has been announced as being in 
not a set of his own films. So there's that. Uh But then somebody posed a question to him that said, based on your on your piece, uh, some have interpreted that Warner Brothers is doing two franchises starring Batman, one with Pattinson Uh and one with Keaton. Um, Apparently, Uh Keaton is the anchor bat going to be the anchor Batman. I, you know, it's fine. I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not complaining about it. I'm always for more Batman, but, um, you know, Warner Brothers right now, and we'll get into this because we are going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know if you got, have y'all seen it? I've just seen clips and trailers. Okay. Laura, have you seen it? Clips and trailers. Okay. So I will not do anything spoilerish. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that. So (laughs) I've got one more, I've got one more bit bite. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, morsel. Uh, this is for the tech nerds out there and this is from techcrunch.com. Um, and this might not be brand new news, but it may not be common knowledge or it may be, but apparently Google, uh, uh, a group of Google employees have decided to unionize. A group of more than 200 Google and Alphabet workers have announced the formation of the Alphabet Workers Union, according to the New York Times first reported it. With the help of the Communications Workers of America's unions can- union campaign to organize digital employees, the union will be open to both employees and contractors. Yeah, that's kind of big. I mean, you know, we all read in the past Google's had some problems and they just been released a another algorithm update in December that kind of really messed anybody up in the sector of telecom or internet like us, you know, I, you know, the, the, the rankings are all wonky. Our people have dropped traffic. They, they just, all kinds of stuff happens and Google doesn't really make those announcements. And then the one thing that they do announce is like all oh, these workers are unionizing and uh, you know, there's been some, there's some pretty dissatisfied people that work there. So I don't know. It, it's, it seemed like a, seemed like this should have happened maybe two years ago or could have, you know, it's just, I guess, I don't know, maybe it got to a bubbling, boiling point and they just decided, all right, enough's enough. We're unionizing because we're not getting fair treatment or being heard. So I don't know. It's kind of, I mean, because, I mean, Google's been like this unfettered growing, I mean, now they're in this huge, massive thing they are now, but they've just kind of been growing exponentially year after year after year after year both in size and in influence you you wonder if something granted it's only 200 employees right now which doesn't sound like all that many when you consider how many people google employs i don't know about um, an employer that sounds like quite a few yeah i mean yeah. I, uh, I wonder if it puts the brakes a little bit on some of that expansion that's been taking place year after year after year after year well with all the stuff going on in dc with regulations and everything coming up i mean it's we're going to see a lot of changes this year in big tech advertising is uh, the cost for advertising continuously goes up since this is going to keep things relevant here on this podcast for those listening. I mean, uh, the cost of advertising is going up. It, it, it doesn't matter what form it's in um, to be able to reach an audience. Uh, and with Google going through what it's going through and Facebook, what it's going through and Twitter, you know, if somebody was to come to me and want to hand me money to do like Facebook ads. And for those listening, yes, John is not with us today. He's feeling sick, but he said it's not COVID. He's feeling he's just little, you know, he's probably just wore out. He just doesn't, yeah. They had a baby. Yeah. That's one good thing about 2020 for John. They had a baby, a healthy baby girl. So he's probably just not sleeping. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of interest in anything bright and shiny and new, which he was going to talk about today. He's going to talk about TikTok and LinkedIn and some stuff, but we'll put that into the next podcast. We'll save that for when he's uh, here for that. But um, yeah, advertising and where that money's going to go is going to definitely change this year because of all these things that are happening. So it's going to be a very interesting year in our world as far as uh, media buys and things like that go. Um, but The allocation uh, of resources, as it were. Yeah, a lot of that's going to change. Employers are changing allocation resources because of, uh, you know, we're, we're heading into the, the final stretch, hopefully, the, of the pandemic and getting the virus uh, exterminated by the vaccine. 
by everyone hopes June. Uh, I think it's might be as late as July, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think that's there's a there's a lot more changes coming up that's going to hurt, and people are not maybe going to be prepared for. Um, but so, not saying it's more of the same of 2020, but we're still dealing with some stuff, um, and so organizations will be feeling it. But anyways, why do, how does Spectacle and Wonder Woman tie to what we do? Well, Wonder Woman's a brand. DC is. This is a this is something they're putting out there as a product. And uh, it was sort of pumped up and to be this awesome movie of the year that 2020 needed to rescue 2020. And unfortunately, it didn't. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Wonder Woman. I like Wonder Woman. I love the first movie. I had a problem with the third act like everyone else, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, it's this one here. Just I had a lot of problems with it. Um, well, what was interesting is the fact that it, 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 when it first launched, there was a lot of hoopla and a lot of the critics were, and it's, I mean, pretty much globally, uh, critics were, were hailing it and, and loved it. But then you looked at like uh, Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and, and the ratings that actual, you know, actual viewers, people that bought tickets or bought it, you know, bought, viewed it, you know, remotely from home, uh, started to be a pretty steep decline. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I don't know why putting money in uh, HBO Max, I think for me, and this is just my opinion, but the writing is starting to form on the wall uh, with HBO Max versus Disney Plus and the quality of content and what we want to see or, or what we would prefer to see. Um, if I'm going to spend money, I'm going to go with Disney Plus. And uh, I say that like I'm kind of in both worlds because of the Marvel DC behind me. Um, but comic book wise, I'm more, uh, I'm more DC because of stuff like this. You know, this is an older, older comic. You, know, you notice Batman's holding a gun. So, um, so I have stuff like that. So I'm a Batman guy and a DC guy, but I've given DC as a consumer my monies since Zack Snyder got a hold of Man of Steel and that movie came out and I watched it and it was a very lumbering film. I mean, it was like up and down, up and down. And I'm like, okay, he's beat them. Nope, not yet. Beat them. Nope, not yet. Kind of had that feeling about it. I loved the casting. I did. I did. I did like the casting. Uh, I think that Zack and his wife do a very good job of that. Um, but then when you get to, you know, we got the Batman versus Superman when it was announced, I immediately hated the title. <laughs> I just did. I hated the title. I felt like, why did you not go with World's Finest? You know, uh, even the real storyline of World's Finest where Batman and Superman screw up and it causes a guy to die because they were not working well together. And so every year they would meet to uh, sort of make amends and pay memorial to that person that was killed because these two knuckleheads couldn't get their crap together when, you know, working with each other. And that's kind of what solidified that. And I was like, that's a great storyline. You could have done that instead of this, Martha, save Martha. <laughs> the Martha moment. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of, I was like, okay, all right, well, over two. When, uh, then, you know, we got, what, what was the next one that came out? They came out, uh, was it Wonder Woman? It was actually the third release, the first yes. Wonder Woman. Huh? Yes, I think it was. Yeah. And I watched it and I went to the theater for these. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a movie goer. And uh, I was like, okay, awesome. The third act was kind of hard to see. I just, you know, I'm not ancient, but turn the light up. You know, <laughs> I mean, you got this bright, great Themyscira with the Amazons and all of this and it's great. And then we get to the ending and it's like, okay, so the villain is a skinny guy with a mustache. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, of course, you know, and I'm like the whole time, I mean, this is a product they're serving people, you know, and it's kind of no different if you're a business that sells jams or whatever, you're serving a product that's building a reputation. And as you build this reputation, 
there's expectations that people are also learning about you as you go. And it just seems like the brand strategy, which is really what this whole spectacle thing is like behind it, you know, it's like DC kind of broke into a boardroom and said, here's all of our characters. Here they are. We're going to make movies on all these people. You know why? Because nobody really knows who all these people are, but they know who these people are. So we're going to do that. And and that's kind of, and I'm like, this took 10, 10 years. You, you tried to do this with three movies in two. And that was the failure. There wasn't really a whole lot of prep. Anybody got I'm, some opinions on that? <laughs> I mean, well, going back, going back to what you're saying, I mean, I mean, Marvel took 10 years to build, to build a following, to build, to build, to build a brand, a, a cinematic brand and to get people invested in those characters. Yeah. Um, that, like you said, that takes time. I mean, you have to you have to kind of give people a chance to take the package and open it up and look inside and and become acquainted and and find out who these people are and, and actually give these people motivation so the audience can relate to um and like you said disney just kind of took them on threw them out love them because they've been around for a long time love love them because love them because because people because they've been around for 50 years um they just kind of banked on the fact that they were maybe already so woven into the into the culture that they, they didn't have to do the work to make people actually care about them. Yeah, and that's kind of spectacle. Spectacle is about the wow. It's about creating that you're trying to create a memorable moment. It didn't really go off very well. Laura, you're obviously behind you, Star Wars fan. Yes. Do we dare talk about <laughs> that one? Because <laughs> honestly, it's it's it had its. Uh, that's been hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. It's had it. I think that Disney, Disney picks it up thinking that, um, kind of like the brand is good and everybody's always loved this brand. So let's buy this brand and it'll just magically continue to blossom. And it's, it's kind of like the goose who laid the golden egg, but yeah. then, you know, Oh yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the thing it's in, it, the parallel between when you look at what was done with Star Wars and what was done with the DC characters, and the, the similarities and the errors, I think, are are pretty clear. I mean, you have to do the work. You have to do the work of of storytelling. I mean, talk. I mean, spectacle. Star the, the Star Wars always has there has been a huge spectacle quotient to it from the first time. The Millennium Falcon blasted into hyperspace and the stars came flying at you this way in that movie theater. I mean, to me, and that's one of the defining words. spectacle moments. They've I done mean, with the scrolling words. Yeah. Right, 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 exactly. But <laughs> the spectacle but came in when they started with, uh, you know, The Force Awakens. I mean, it was a newly acquired property because, you know, when Star Wars came out, everybody was like, what the crap is this? Um, so, but I think the, the Disney spectacle came in when they, you know, episode six or seven. And, you know, Laura, you were going to say something. I You're talking like, about pre-Disney. I think they lost sight of the fan. Yeah. They they are, um, they're still in the mindset of the Disney fan instead of the Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, in the Marvel stuff that I'm seeing on Disney, it's because I have Disney Plus, so they're they're kind of leaning in the same bent, you know. Of well, we know what Disney fans want. Well, you acquired somebody else's fans, so they're not really Disney fans. You have to look at it from their perspective. Just like when we're building a website, we have to build it to accommodate the audience that's going to be viewing it, not the way we want everything. That's a good point. Yeah, because when we do web, I mean, if if we're doing a website that is for, a, you know, a, re, a, res, a retirement resort or something for seniors or whatever, I, you know, we're not going to use 12-point font on the web page. We're not going to use, I mean, I have... You're not going to use a lot of flash and, ga- and glam. That's- yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be, I mean, there's nothing wrong with flash and glam, but I mean, why? There, ha- there has to be a why to it. Why, 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 is, why is this flash and glam there what purpose does it serve how does it propel the story 
the brand story forward. And that's that's the disconnect, I think, that, that Disney and uh, at least early on with when or with, when Disney acquired Star Wars properties and when with the, the Warner Brothers DC movies. Uh-huh. Lots of spectacle, but OK, but why? I, I, the, the, I, you, I, you can dazzle me visually, but I, I need to be emotionally invested. And that's where the why comes in. Um, and it, it's, it's like the axiom of mine that, that you, I mean, you, you mentioned in, in, in social media, you know, pretty is easy. Spectacle is easy. Making lots of pretty, pretty pictures and images and loud noises is easy. Telling a story to the people that are viewing it that makes them care about the spectacle is hard. Product. Yeah, exactly. They have to get in the user's head, you know? They they have to get into the the fan of Marvel or DC or Star Wars. They have to get in their head and what do they want? Where do they want this to go? What do they want to see? What can I surprise them with that they're going to be delighted about instead of, "Ah, oh, you ruined my movie." Yeah. You know. Well, they tried to rebot. I mean, there's always that thing where with, with Star Wars, it's always been about how do we recapture the moment of Luke, I am your father. You know, how do we recapture that surprise moment? And it became such a, a focus, they kind of lost sight of telling a story. And we got Luke Skywalker milking an alien with milk. I don't understand any of those choices. Why? It was the worst movie I think ever made. With Questionable at best. Why? I just, I don't know. It didn't do anything that even even Mark Hamill came out later and said, I don't agree with the choices of this character, but he wanted a paycheck, so he took the money and shut up. Uh, but he is out there on record of saying, like, he didn't agree with Brian's choices. Um, and I kind of feel like that, you know, it became more about that, like we talked, like we just said, the spectacle. Like, we got to get a, a big movie out, and in between we'll put these little movies out. It's all, there was a strategy, but my point is with DC... I don't know what the strategy is. I can't figure it out by looking at it as as the industry that we're in, or even as a consumer. I can't see what the plan is. What are they, you know, like, oh, we're building up the dark side. Are you still? The, the strategy, that, from, from my perspective, the strategy is how can we milk these suckers for some more money? Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with being true to any of the storylines or the characters or committed to the fans yeah i mean with marvel you uh, you would watch a movie and then that first infinity i like and i get it like i'll make this comparison for anybody listening to be like well wait a minute yeah, i get it might happen but there's a magical stone in wonder woman it's the wishing stone okay it's a legit thing but it's like you know it's one of those comic things problem is they didn't every comic movie needs rules doesn't matter I know there's a guy that wears tights and flies and from another planet. So I understand that is not any way based in reality. But here's the nerd argument. There's rules to sci-fi that, that, that you have to have in order to make sense for me to be able to follow. The ability law. to suspend disbelief. Yeah. I need to, like, they changed the rules in this movie. It's not a spoiler when I say this, but the stone had, it started out with like, you get one wish. And then it was like, ah, oh, you can do this. Oh, you can get two wishes. Oh, you can do this. Oh, now you can be the stone. Oh, now you can do. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, well, it just blew that's it. That's exactly what made Star Wars such a great saga is the details. It's all about the details. I mean, I have a 19 year old son that you can ask him something about Star Wars and he'd be like, oh no, no, no. Because of this and that and that, that would never happen. And they're obviously not bringing that into the the creative process when they're yeah. coming up with new film. Right. It's oh. just me as a nerd, but I'm a big continuity fan. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Well, it, it's <laughs> it, to me, it's almost like with Star Wars. There was like, okay, we're going to take what was done before, and 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 I wonder about this, but I think the mindset we're going to make it better, but. I, they to me it, it didn't have the there's a childlike wonder there's a very basic aspect to the original Star Wars films that thing that makes it so appealing and well, it's that said it was made for kids well it's that well but adults loved it comics right. were well, originally written for kids but look at look at us <laughs> it's it's there's a little bit of child in all of us 
And those movies appeal to that sense of childlike wonder that we retain, all of us do, even into adulthood. Mm-hmm. I think the new, new, some of the newer Star Wars movies tried way too hard to, to be grown up mm. and, and lost that sense of childlike wonder. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if, you've, like, if, you've, if you've watched The Mandalorian, oh, it is, to a, me, to me. unfair. To well, no, to me, to me. <laughs> Of all of the new, of, of, of all of the post-original film material that's been created, mm-hmm. Mandalorian feels so much closer to that original Star Wars saga than anything else that they've created. Yeah, no, no. People it's think, so well done. People will think that there's a lot of fan service in Mandalorian, and there actually is, and that's okay. You know why? Because it earned it. It worked toward it. It, it makes works. sense. It's it yeah. we, it's woven into the fabric of the of of the sto- of the the larger story. I mean, to me, I don't know if you even remember if you watched the original Star Wars movies, the little bits of dialogue in the background you would hear between stormtroopers when they would talk to each mm-hmm. other, little thing, their reactions. That all the stormtroopers stormtroopers had these sort of when they were shot or when they were in battle, their their exclamations and reactions were all kind of within the same sphere mm-hmm. they, Those are close. little, little yeah, things like well that their ability to hit a target right yeah. right exactly they're, they're horrible they're shots bad shots <laughs> but think little things like that john favreau has carried over those little things that matter yeah they've carried over into the into the new films yeah and for those listening like who's uh, or into the mandalorian i'm sorry He's the guy that did some of this. That's who. That's who Mitch is talking about. If you're watching this on video, uh, he helped kick it off. Marvel. He did the Marvel stuff with Iron Man. He was uh, the guy that played Iron Man's chauffeur, Happy, uh, and continues to reprise that role. I mean, he's an excellent storyteller. Um, sometimes he gets a little carried away. Uh, some of the stories that he's told in the past and things he's done, he's nearly gotten sued for because he got a little too close. Uh, for example, the movie Elf. Uh, he had great ideas on that. That was one of his, and he, um, you know, well, it wasn't his alone, but he, his creative direction and what he came in, he borrowed a little too close. Well, well, let's not say a little, let's just be honest. He freaking just completely from the stop animation Rudolph film, uh, you know, and got in trouble for it later, but they really work it out, but he does that. He understands though the mentality of the people who he's telling the story to. He understands the audience. So in the example of Elf, he knew people were fans of that. He knew that that was a solid base to operate on that adults and kids love. And the movie Elf, with the casting that it had, you know, at the time, really, Will Ferrell? You know, that was kind of at the time of that. Um, He has that mindset to understand that if you want to bring an audience along with you on that journey, to buy into the why for your product or why they should enjoy it. Why should, why should I spend $12 on a matinee for a movie? Well, he earned my money. You know, I would say, I think right at guardians is when it clicked, you know, cause I saw that and I was like, really a talking raccoon in a tree. You gotta be joking me, man. Like really? And then I went and I seen it and I was like, wow. And then examining it later, the music in that film is a character not just the characters the music is and that's something in wonder woman 1984 to get back on track it did not do and you two will be surprised at this anybody's not seen it i'm sorry if it spoils it um i don't think it does though but it's just not there like i didn't even get like with the cheetah scenes you couldn't do hungry like a wolf you couldn't get <laughs> you couldn't get a, any a of cheetah this. And a wolf. i think there was one song maybe I can't even remember. It wasn't that. See, that's why we talk about memorable brands this year at Nerd Brand because it didn't really make me remember any of the scenes in the movie because I don't remember any of the music. And music is so important to a film. Like, well, especially when you're doing essentially Wonder Woman '84. To me, it was supposed to be a the, the way the first film was, and basically they stole the whole idea from Captain America: The First Avenger. But I digress. Yeah, I wonder who's the Marvel guy here. <laughs> I digress. But. If the first Wonder Woman was a period piece taking place during World War One, yeah, Wonder Woman, which you're tagging Wonder Woman '84, it's like it was a half-hearted. I mean, just and granted, I haven't seen the whole film, but from the things I'm reading and what I've gleaned in the previews and clips I've seen, 
they don't really carry that to me where as far as it should go as far as grounding it in that period and i'm not even sure the people that wrote it sound like they even understood the 80s they did not (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna be flat out harsh about that because you know watching the film 120 minutes in she's wonder woman maybe twice like wearing the outfit Mm -hmm. twice and there's a and this is in the trailer but the mall scene is cringy like they tried to play on richard donner superman but i've read that a lot yeah it didn't work um unfortunately Uh, there was a breaking of the fourth wall and that's just like i only know a few characters to get away with that one of them is deadpool and i don't i think he kind of sealed the this is what that looks like and how that works well because that's 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 a that's a quality the character already possesses it's not something they added yeah and so um there was that and then uh there was one other scene i forgot but and see but a lot of it was just her as uh diana prince and you know we want to see our characters in their regalia we want to see them doing stuff you know we don't want to see them wearing a three-piece suit or whatever normal wear for them uh doing things i mean it's it's a wonder woman film not a diana prince film and so there's that and the 1984 stuff the about as 1984 as it gets is the montage with steven um wearing the different outfits and you see the 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 fanny pack um the color of the poster is very misleading in comparison to the feel of the film i mean it's like they tried to borrow from ragnarok to kind of get a setup but this is a jack kirby type film well no and to me the poster can't (laughs) i mean i i my understanding was that the poster was supposed to carry the flavor of the 80s and it doesn't at all no no not at all um and cheetah and how cheetah was done you know you've seen that also in the trailer that's the other problem i have with dc they show too much in the trailer how she looks i don't know what it is about hollywood and cats but they cannot make a cat person look like i don't know not disturbing (laughs) well no they can't make it's always disturbing it's always like really bad i mean the movie cats it's like was the i guess the the, 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 the top of how what not to do because cat butthole release that exists because that's the only way people could find that interesting because the, the fur that, was rendered as I, guy kind of looks like a the cat butt. i think that I, that was done as a parody i believe yeah mm. and it's like but with this with cheetah it's like you really didn't need to make her a mutant type cheetah this is a new thing you could have just done something completely different i mean do, do you think i mean do you think perhaps i mean there's and such a way, the ending here's my pun on the ending she comes in as this bird thing again this is all in the trailer trailer she oh you mean in the bird in the armor you mean yeah, she's in the bird armor and she's fighting a cat like when did this become a face-off between tweety and sylvester <laughs> so i just leave it at that you have to wonder though i mean they lean so hard on digital now yeah and and it's gotten good i i I get that i mean you look at what marvel did with especially when with when when marvel started doing their own films what they did with with um mark ruffalo's hulk i think is really really good it it carries really well yeah they took the uh they took the hits that they were getting from the previous two and were like all right maybe we not do that again yeah so but at the same time, I think there's a, still a place for practical effects. And you have to wonder sometimes, maybe they should have just used practical makeup, maybe. Yeah. Or, or, or a hybrid somehow. Um, because it, you're right, it just still doesn't look great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie kind of like, this is probably, and and the, so the point of the podcast, this is like my last DC movie. Yes, I said it. Because when I look at what Marvel's schedule is, and I look at Disney Plus, and I look at all the content they're coming out with, and I say that for a reason, and, you know, the quality is so much better. And I feel like it's worth my investment to, because I'm also investing my time, which is the most valuable thing you could have, and that any brand is requesting of its audience is their time. And so, um, I, you know, will I watch Zack Snyder's Justice League? You know, I don't voluntarily want to watch a trainer. Haven't you seen it before? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen one version. I don't need to see another version on how much worse it could be. 
because uh, that's kind of what I feel at this point. Um, and it's like, you know, I think that there's just a lot of problems where DC maybe just needs to pull back and give it like a few years and kind of rethink the whole thing um, because they just aren't able, there's just such a rush to get to a place that you cannot get to. I mean, it's a journey that you have to go on and you're asking a lot of people to kind of make that leap in that journey. It's sort of like if you put a, if you on the, on a carpet, if you put a pad and you put one person on a pad and 60 feet away, you put this other person you know, another pad 60 feet away. And you ask this person without touching the carpet or whatever, the floor, go from this pad to that pad. You know, they're going to look at you like you've lost your mind. And that's kind of what DC's done. It's like, we want to go from here to here like that. And it's like, you can't, I don't know. I think it was just too much to ask. And here we are several films in and they've already announced Wonder Woman 3. And I'm like, haven't we said enough already? Which, well, I mean, they. what's funny is they announced it like right off the bat. But then you start seeing this drop in the numbers and and everything. You're like, was it premature? Were they? Yeah. I mean, did they really? Is this something they really believe in, or is just more of a case of well, we're just going to do it anyway? And I don't think that it's any fault to Patty Jenkins, the director, or anybody that was on the creative staff. I think I honestly think what happened, and Mitch, you brought it up, is the whole thing with the whole 1984 thing. You're going to title it 1984. You're going to try to build it around this era. You're going to try to, there's your anchor. That's the anchor that was not there. Not the, the wishing stone. You could have had some other thing. Um, but they lost that. The anchor was the era. So there was no music. There was no feeling that this is the era. Like in the first Wonder Woman film, it felt like World War One. Yeah. And no, it I mean, they, they like did a great job of, yeah. of putting you in that in that time. Yeah. But this here, I mean, they could have literally been anywhere in any era. And I, you know, some of the outfits that she wore is, you know, she's a beautiful woman with unequivocally, but, you know, you can put her in a pizza outfit and she'd look good. But, you know, if you're going to say 1984, you know, like a lot of the outfits she wore, I mean, some of that's like almost retro today to wear. And, uh, but a lot of it didn't really like, there's a high skirt line you know, that she wore like getting out of a car. And I'm like, yeah. a lot of that, they, women that they wear that today. I'll put it to you this way. Where was the poofy hair? Was there any, not really, you know, big, big hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's just, I think, I mean, the, <laughs> Laura's like, I don't want to go back to those days. <laughs> the, the lesson here is that there's just no shortcuts. Yeah. If you want to tell a solid brand story, that's, that's compelling and that really speaks to your customers, you have to put in the work to tell the story and then any spectacle or bright shiny things you wanna put around it, it has to have a purpose. And that purpose is propelling the brand message yeah. in the way it needs to be directed. Yeah, and the message was, this is, this is Wonder Woman in, 19 in 1984, not Wonder Woman chases some magical stone guy and tries to stop him from making wishes and making other people's wishes true. That's, that's the thing. There was just so many drop-offs, and, and I can't go too far because I don't want to get into too spoiler territory. So everything I'm saying, you can pretty much glean from, you know, the trailer. But it's just, you know, that, and by the way, when I talk about the stone and everything, and I know it seems like a stretch, I do remember Loki with his wishy pointy stone stick that came out with the Avenger movie and everybody was like, okay, so he pokes them in the chest with the magic stone and makes them change their minds and everything. And then it was like two or three movies later, it's like, no, that was the mind stone. That's why. And then you're like, ah, okay, I buy that now. Like when you figured out it was an infinity stone, it was the mind stone. And that's how he was changing people's minds and how that worked. Cause you know, at the end of the day, you can just poke anybody with it. Like go get me bagels. Boop. You know, <laughs> but now, you know, now when you find out it's the mind stone, you're like, ah, that makes sense. With the wishy stone, it's like, what? And this doesn't make any sense. But, you know, in the comic book, there's other stones, just like the infinity stones that that thing is attached to, to specific gods and stuff. Yeah. Like you could have had it easily. That could have been the setup for like three more Wonder Woman films and incorporating batman and superman and other characters in it and just make wonder woman the character the anchor of dc sorry michael i love you but they already got back, wonder woman that goes back to what we were saying earlier about they weren't staying true to the fan and they weren't staying true to the details of the 
the entity that they were working with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, there are qualities about all those DC characters that are just as powerful and just as compelling as 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 the Marvel ones. Now, I will freely admit that I think that there's there's Marvel does a better job historically in grounding their characters on an emotional level and, and make in fashion them in such a way that the average person can relate to because it's like they're like they can look at a Marvel character and say, "Yeah, I've I can relate to that. I felt that yeah. way. I've I've been through that." This is what a real, this is how a real person would react in this situation. To me, that's always been one of the hurdles that DC, char DC characters have had to leap. Well, that's, that's not just DC characters. It's just, it seems like all of DC films and filmography, uh, you know, since, like I said, Man of Steel, it's just been this pathway that goes nowhere other than to put all these characters in the same movie. And that was not the plan. The spectacle was all of these things, these different character movies are leading to an event that is the spectacle. And it's earning that, not just saying, oh, we're going to put them all in the same movie. Like Marvel fans have wanted all these characters in the same movie for years as much as we have. But what's the, the mechanism? What is the strategy of that? How do we get there? What does that look like? You know, how do we get to that success to that, you know, moment of like, wow, look at what happened, you know, and Every business owner wants that with their own business. You know, how do we get to that moment of like people become advocates of our brand without us having to spend advertising money? Because believe it or not, it can happen. It's like with content, content, I brought, I brought that up because of Google's update is very content, I believe, oriented of quality of content, which they've said that for years. Quality. What does quality of content mean? Well, something useful, um, you know, something entertaining, something useful, more or less to that. And um, I'm sorry, I just can't invest more time and money with DC movies. I hate to say that being such a fan of it, but I'm not, I'm not really too thrilled about the Robert Pattinson Batman. I kind of feel like it's like throwing villains in my face. Like, Hey, look at what we did with the penguin and the Riddler. And I'm like, I could pick up a comic and see all that. I don't really know. Well, I mean, you wonder with, I mean, with Batman, you just wonder if there's just maybe, I wonder if there's going to be some Batman fatigue. I mean, because if, if there's a character, they've they've gotten so much mileage out of that character over the last couple of decades. Yeah, it's like maybe he needs a rest. Well, I think for the podcast to wrap it up is that um, you know, if you want to, just from my point of view, if you want to watch something that's really creative, has a really good take on a character, watch Batman Gotham by Gaslight. It's an animated film that DC did uh, of Batman. Most animated films ain't that great here. Let's be honest. The third act, they just can't seem to gel together to finish and wrap up. Um, I kind of understand. <laughs> the endings are hard. <laughs> but Gotham by Gaslight, watch it. It's only maybe an hour and 20 minutes, but it's amazing what they've done with the character and those around him. And to me, that'd be worthy of a live action right there. Uh, it'd be very different. You know, as far as Wonder Woman, unfortunately, she just got not gotten a lot of there's there's maybe two animated features. They're not great, but there's two. And then you've got the live action stuff. I like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, but you know, the way things are going for DC right now, I mean, they're just heading toward a recast of everything. So I, I don't know how that's gonna work. I kind of want to not leave Laura out too much of the conversation, but Laura, I mean, what is your thoughts on just this? Because you're the woman here. So if anything, we're talking about a character that speaks to your gender more than ours. You know, well, that's what they've been trumpeting about Wonder yeah. Woman is that now we have a character that appeals to women and that, yeah. that is a, that's, therein lies the the problem is that they are they're pandering to women. Not so much um, you know, it's not just a great character. They're being really careful to pander to women. Okay, so send all your emails of two. <laughs> I, well, I mean, what, what you're saying is it's it's it. Well, let I her mean, let her let her finish. I can tell yeah, she's got more yeah. to say. Let her finish. Yeah. You don't have the right plumbing to have an opinion here, brother. <laughs> um, I the I did see the first Wonder Woman movie, and I was kind of it was good. Yeah. Um, until we got to the end and then the end I was like um hello 
I, and it just, it lost, I mean, it just fell flat for me at the end. Um, it, it's like the storyline just completely fell apart. And it was all about making her look cool as she walks off into the flames, you know? And it had nothing to do with the storyline, which yeah. upset me, you know? Um, and, I, and that's what I mean by pandering to women. It's, it's not so much in she's really doing something great. It's just she's looking great while she's doing it. <laughs> and, you know, I... <laughs> good point though yeah i i here's my proposal for an ending of the first wonder woman movie and i'm not a writer this is what i would have done and it's gonna make people mad because her whole goal was to defeat the god of war and her thinking naively was that if she did that she would end the war steve trevor was a character that died in the film I would have made him the God of War the entire time. And she had to kill him in the end. Now that would have lined up with Superman, Man of Steel, where he had to kill Zod. Because Zod was the last remaining Kryptonian in Kal-El's mind. And he had to snap his neck to stop him from murdering people. It's the same tone, same vibe. And it would have actually worked, I think. Never mind Superman doesn't kill. Well, you know, look. Or supposedly Batman. I won't cross like, that room. Batman in film kills. Batman in the comics had a gun one time. So the whole stigma of Batman, like 1950s Batman would crush people's skulls or step on their necks or whatever. It was kind of, he's brutal. He's not a friendly guy. Frank Miller's Batman. Oh, yeah, he's very violent. Frank Miller's Batman at the end of that, The Dark Knight, uh, Return of the Dark Knight, he, there's a quote that he says to this gang leader, and he's going to fight him, and he says, I'm going to break every bone in your body because I can. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, and he does. <laughs> and that's Batman. So this whole thing, you're like, oh, Batman doesn't kill, blah, blah, blah. Look, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Anybody remember Michael Keaton coming down the lane, he's got a bomb in his hand, sticks it on a guy, tosses the guy down a tunnel. Okay, the bomb didn't come out with confetti going pow. <laughs> so I really don't care that they kill. I don't. You know, if you're even Christopher Nolan's Batman, which was the most Batman rooted in reality, he killed. Um, that's just the world. Uh, so uh, that, that's a, I don't know where that comes from other than like, oh, it's in the comics. It yeah, well, comics. it comes out of comics, but it comes out of it in a later time. Even the comics have had different you know, iterations of Batman, let's be honest. So, I mean, that's just, a, that's a one part of the comics out of the 70, well, now 80 years of Batman. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would have had Wonder Woman have to kill Steve because Steve turned out to be the God of War. And, you know, you could have spun that into the next movie. Maybe she got it wrong and didn't really kill him, you know, because her heart was still attached because she fell in love. And so in the sequel, <laughs> guess who's back? And that could have made more sense than her just, I don't know. I mean, it, spoiler three two one she's in the uh um museum with you know barbara who's cheetah and they open up the packaging they gotta go through these artifacts and date them and they open it up and there's the stone barbara's holding it and she kind of i think she wants coffee it doesn't make sense there's a lot of going on here doesn't make sense but she wants coffee so some guy just appears with two lattes and she gets and they get one and again the wishing thing that's why it doesn't make any sense that was the one wish Barbara wishes like three more times. <laughs> but anyways, then Wonder Woman she gets didn't it. say it was a wish. I, you know, you can kind of get all technical about that, but well, it's I mean, weird. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that kind of um, in Aladdin? Isn't that one of the, the things he had to say that it was a wish because yeah. the first time he gypped him? Yeah, he did. He found a way to gyp him. But, you know, this is a stone. So the idea was you hold it, but then later on you have to actually hold it and say it. And then, you know, the, I can't, I don't want to spoil too much more, but something else happens in order to change how it works. And they keep changing how it works. And that's my problem. Um, so they, their, their storyline wasn't solid enough that there could be rules. They had to know. keep changing the rules in order to jam the storyline into it. Yeah, yeah. So they kept jamming crap in 
and changing how the wishes work and how the stone works. Like you, you can't like the infinity, like the mind stone and the Loki's pokey stick, you know, you can do whatever you want with that until you pokey stick. <laughs> the Loki pokey stick, you know, that worked fine until you got to Iron Man and hit him, hit the thing in his chest and it didn't work. And he's like, well, you know, it happens to everybody, man. Harvard, <laughs> you know, that was a great scene. But other than that, there really wasn't an explanation on why that stopped uh, Iron Man. Because it wasn't, he didn't touch him. It wasn't touching him. He was touching something inorganic. There you go, internet. Metals conductive. <laughs> yeah, there you go, internet. Answered, certifiable by the nerds. Uh, but, for, you know, but wonderful, uh, Diana, you know, holds the stone and later on, much later on, like Steve appears, like in that moment, because there's a lot of problems with everybody like, after a hundred years, she's not over this guy. Well, I mean, you know, you fall in love like that and lose somebody. Yeah, you're going to be like, you know, here's another Christmas without so-and-so. Who's not done that? Well, again, it's it's another parallel with Captain America because Cap was in love mm -hmm. with... Um, with um, yeah, when he, when he died oh, the first time. Yeah. Now, what, now, what's her name? God, Lord, I, I can't Peggy. With Peggy, yeah. I mean, he was in love with Peggy. He carried that torch 50, you know, 50 years later. I mean... And then he had the hots for her niece, which was a little awkward, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Actually happened in the comics. Again, it's, it's consistency. It followed, that's what happened yeah. in the comics. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't really, I can excuse that. Uh, I really can. But, you know, I just, I just have a hard time with how the story ties together and some of the events that occur. Um, you know, when you go see it, you know, maybe we'll do a spoiler review just kind of for, you know, kicks and giggles. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you've got to earn the, the, there's, there's work that goes into that and not pander to your audience, not pander to people. Spectacle is like, if your goal is just that and there's nothing meaningful behind it, then, you know, everything you've done is, it's just not going to last. It's like a flash in a pan. It's done. And that's I mean, it. that may work for awareness, but it doesn't work for actually building your brand and moving people to yeah. your brand. Yeah, we don't sell brand awareness. I mean, that's obviously part of our job as an agency and what we do. But our goal is to, there's a long-term plan on how this brand is going to continue to move and survive and pivot. You know, I hate to use that word still, but it's true. And that's that's what we do. You know, we come up constantly with strategies on how we can do that. And you can say, well, that sounds like marketing. Well, yeah, but branding and marketing should be working together, not separate. So, you know, uh, but anyways... That's our show on spectacle and Wonder Woman and elements of storytelling. And, you know, don't make magical stones that just grant wishes like Lucky Charms or something. Uh, there's no elves that live in a tree. Sorry. Uh, they don't have cookies. They're not making cookies. Uh, they're making, you know, microphones. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Well, anyways, if you're watching, if you're watching this or listening to this, feel free to go on social media, facebook.com slash nerdbrandagency. We're nerdbrandagency everywhere on social media. Uh, so you can find us, leave a comment, say, hey, love the show. What about asking about this? We'll talk about it if you want to give us some uh, references. Or you can just go to nerdbrandagency.com slash podcast and listen to the latest episode there. And uh, appreciate you guys coming out and listening and watching and you all for doing the show with me today and I want to remind everybody to remember keep your nerd brand strong <laughs>